This podcast is hosted by Dr. Happymon Jacob. Dr. Jacob is an associate professor of security studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. His weekly column on India's national security and foreign policy issues is published by The Hindu. He is also the author of two new books on India-Pakistan border, Line on Fire by Oxford University Press and Line of Control by Penguin India. Hello and welcome to the National Security Conversation. In today's episode, our focus will be on the Rafale multi-role combat aircraft deal, which continues to be at the center of a raging political controversy. Just yesterday, Mr. Anil Ambani of the Reliance Group wrote to the opposition leader, Mr. Rahul Gandhi, explaining uh, why there is absolutely no controversy in it. But Mr. Rahul Gandhi has responded that he is not convinced by the uh, by the letter and the clarification given by Mr. Ambani, and that he will continue uh, pursuing this issue uh, in the days in the days ahead. Uh, that makes it a very very controversial and sensitive issue. And to discuss this very serious, sensitive, and controversial issue, I have with me in the studio uh, Mr. Ajay Shukla and uh, Mr. M. K. Venu. Uh, Mr. M. K. Venu um, is a senior journalist and is one of the founding editors of The Wire. And Mr. Ajay Shukla is a retired military officer and is one of the uh, most credible defense journalists in the country. Uh, Venu and Ajay, welcome to the National Security Conversation. Okay. Let's take up the issue of uh, due process to start with, um, the question of decision making. Um, who made the decision and when was this decision made? Um, for example, the whole question of avoiding the Hindustan um, Aeronautics Limited from the offset deal. Uh, when was the decision taken and why was uh, this decision taken? Uh, and why, for example, Secondly, the uh, number of aircrafts was reduced from 126 to just 36. Uh, on what basis was the decision made? Was the Indian Air Force on board that particular decision? In November uh, 2017, that is last year, the Defense Minister, Ms. Nirmala Sitaraman, said that in April 2015, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing her, in April 2015, Prime Minister Modi went to France, negotiated a deal with the French government, came back and followed the due process of informing the Cabinet Committee on Security. And after getting the Cabinet Committee on Security's approval, India and France signed a deal for buying 36 Rafale fighters on September 23, 2016. Um, the Cabinet Committee on um, Security approval came in September 2016. <coughs> just before the deal was finalized. So in other words, Mr. Modi, the prime minister of the country, uh, made a decision which he announced in France one and a half years before the Cabinet Committee on Security approved it. So the question is, how do you evaluate the decision making in this whole process, um, 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 was the decision making done in a proper manner, befitting the country's national security sensitivities and national security decision making in general? Nishabhar. See, as far as I can see, this entire process of decision making starting from uh, Prime Minister Modi's visit to France and what happened just before that, it is still clouded in mystery. Nobody knows what happened. This government has not come up with any clarification whatsoever. Just to give, just to give two or three examples. Just weeks before Mr. Modi's visit to France in 2015, April, there were statements by Chief of Daso and Chief of HAL here that 95% of their 
agreement had been finalized, only some loose ends had to be tied up. Before this, Daso people had come here, seen uh, Hindustan Aeronautics facilities, and they had all praise for it. In fact, I have it on record from a senior Air Force officer who was part of the process that they, they were very confident that they could do a lot more than they had thought uh, with the HEL facilities, number one. Number two, the Foreign Secretary, uh, in his customary briefing before uh, Modi's visit, very clearly told journalists, which is all on record, that the HEL deal will be done, but it, Modi won't announce it in France because there's no, uh, there's no tradition of prime ministers announcing defense deals on foreign soil. He'll come back and the defense ministry will announce it. After all this, Mr. Modi goes there and everything changes. Nobody knows how everything changed and how did HAL get junk and how did An Mr. Anil Ambani, who has no record of uh, having manufactured aircrafts, he only had until then had a, had a defense company which he had bought over from a shipyard, which, bought over, which is also now currently uh, in, in deep uh, trouble financially, uh, <coughs> a lot of NPAs, bad debts and all. Where is the due process? We don't know what has gone on. And finally, uh, all the technical aspects, suppose, uh, of course, Ajay Shukla is the best uh, place to talk about. But I can talk about business process. Where is, even as late as four or five days ago, Nirmala Sitaraman told Times Now that I have, I have no information, I have, uh, I have not decided any offset agreements. She's saying that no offset agreement between Daso and Reliance uh, that she's aware of. Whereas it is, in, it is mandatory that she signs on offset agreements. I, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in yeah, a minute. Yeah. We'll so so, so that's, again, that process is also right. completely, right. nobody knows what's going on about offsets. Anil Ambani's company issued a press release last year saying that we have got 30,000 crores worth of offset opportunities. We have no information about that. What are those offset opportunities? Absolutely no. So I don't have an answer to any of these questions. Ajay, is this a new deal or an old deal? If it is an old deal, why is that the price, specifications and numbers different? If it is a new deal, why is that there is no new tender that was issued? And why was that other aircrafts not considered as part of the deal? So do you consider this to be a new deal or an old deal? And what are the implications of, of such a judgment? That's a very good question, Happy Man. It's a new deal with none of the benefits of the old deal and all of the liabilities of the old deal. It's the worst of both the worlds. Uh, let me put it to you this way. It's a deal for a far smaller number of aircraft than the Air Force requires. And when it was announced initially, a shockwave went through the Air Force and they said, we just hope that the other 90 aircraft are also coming. So it took forward a 126 aircraft deal and replaced it with a 36 aircraft deal. Point number one. Point number two, it took the price of the earlier deal as a benchmark. When the deal was announced, the joint statement between President Hollande of France and Prime Minister Modi of India said that the cost of the deal will be at a price lower than that carried that has been offered by Dassault in a simultaneous ongoing procurement, referring to the 126 aircraft deal. So they benchmarked it with that price, but as it turns out, the price is not lower but higher. We'll talk about that mm -hmm. later in mm -hmm. this thing. Uh, it, it selected Rafael uh, and Dasso as the aircraft, even though Eurofighter had 
reduced its price by 20%, but they took the logic that the Rafale has already been selected and therefore we are stuck with that aircraft and even though there's another aircraft at a 20% lower price, we will have to go with this one because it's been selected by the Indian Air Force, which is absolute chickenery because the Indian Air Force in fact had selected the Rafale and the Eurofighter in technical trials. The Rafale was selected only because its price was lower and when you go into a new deal, then your price is not lower because the price of the last deal is not valid any longer. Yeah. So they should have, by any businessman, any man who runs a shop, a roadside shop in India would have told you that they should have brought in two vendors and made them negotiate against each other and then on a competitive basis they would have knocked down the price. But they failed to do that also. In other words, you are saying that this is neither the old deal nor the new deal, this is a terrible deal. Technically, it's a new deal because they cancelled the old deal officially. They replaced it with this new deal, but it has all the liabilities and none of the benefits that could have accrued. But, but, but don't you think, Venu, that if it is a new deal, we should have had new tenders issued in order to procure the aircraft? Well, I mean, from a, from, a, uh, from a technical point of view, how do you look at it? Yeah, there should have been some uh, publicly uh, sort of declared processes. The, the, the Cabinet Committee on Security should have discussed it before rather than after doing it in Paris and then coming back and, you know, uh, right. retrospectively trying to do it. But I'll raise a very simple question, Abhimod. I mean, will you, if you have a business, uh, Ajay, if you have your own business, you own a business, government owns HEL, and you have a great opportunity of a tie-up with a foreign firm, will you do it with your business or will you get somebody else? Now, the government is saying that, well, they chose, uh, they, uh, they, Daso chose Reliance, but I don't think in, in such a huge government-to-government -government deal, first Make in India, big Make in India project, government, I refuse to believe that government didn't have the influence to keep HCL as, as partner and, and they just... Reinforce the point that you are making. One of the key objectives of the deal, besides getting aircraft for the Indian Air Force and boosting its strength, one of the key objectives yeah. was to lift Indian defence industry to create a manufacturing ecosystem. Uh, and the best way to do that is not to produce Falcon jet parts in, uh, in, a, in, Nagpur. in a Nagpur factory that has never got any experience of aerospace manufacture. The deal was seen as a means of extracting technology from the vendor, of getting hold of key technologies for Indian aerospace manufacturers. And when you say Indian aerospace manufacturers, you basically mean HAL. Because there is only one Indian aerospace But if Reliance is part of the deal and if Daso has chosen uh, Reliance Industries, um, that would mean the Indian private sector will gain some knowledge in defense production. Is that not the case? Not in defense production because as Anil Ambani has written himself, himself to Rahul Gandhi, there is nothing connected with Rafael manufacturer in, manufacture in the offsets. They are manufacturing non-defense items as a result of this deal. So you have completely denied yourself the benefits of offsets while uh, just so happens that a businessman very well connected with the government has got a huge... And I want to, I, I want to add one thing here, to, just to add to what... Very interesting, Nirmala Sitaraman again four days ago tells a TV channel this just very interesting. She says, I, we, I have not signed any uh, offset agreement with Reliance uh, but, and I have not, uh, there is no record in the Defence Ministry of uh, offset agreement between Reliance and Dassault. 
then she says who knows in future uh, uh, Daso could partner uh, DRDO, or and she she indicated some public sector. So there's absolutely no clarity about it. So so we so again we, we are left wondering what the hell is going on. You know? No, this is hardly an argument from a defence minister. Yeah. Who knows what will happen in yeah, the future? Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is not an argument at all. Let, let's discuss the issue of the allegation of cronyism. Um, let's look at the timeline. For example, in February 2015, the Anil Ambani Group enters the weapons business. In April 2015, Prime Minister Modi confirms in Paris that India will buy 36 Rafales and Anil Ambani was part of that delegation uh, led by the Prime Minister. In September 2016, India and France enter into an agreement uh, to buy Rafale. In October 2016, which is 10 days thereafter, Dassault and the Anil Dhirubhai Ambani Group uh, Inc. a deal. Does this timeline suggest any evidence of cronyism? I'll start with you. Uh, anybody who looks at this timeline and says that there is no evidence of cronyism is deaf, dumb and blind. There, there is just too much circumstantial evidence here to be ignored. Uh, and for the government to turn around and say that this businessman with an abysmal record, with a sustained record of failure in every project that he undertakes, has been selected by DASO. Uh, and the fact mm. that he is closely connected with me is just pure coincidence. Uh, I mean, who's going to buy this story? And, well, well, and I, I, I just add to what Ajay is saying. Mr. Ambani forms his company barely 15 days before uh, the... In March. Yeah, In yeah, March. before the departure. Yeah. Number two, which most people ignore. You know, this is a governance issue, right? When he was chosen, when Daso chose him as a partner, Anil Ambani group were, were facing a trial in the famous 2G scam, which resulted in this huge change of government, which was the biggest issue in the 2014 elections. Now, would you, would you regard that uh, as, uh, as something which good governance should endorse? Uh, even if Daso was choosing Anil Ambani. And shortly before that, pulling out of the airport metro operation. Uh, look, there is no, at least not yet, there is no sustainable paper proof that there was wrongdoing, proof that will hold up in a court of law. It's not there. But in the eyes of the public, in the eyes of the political opposition, uh, this is a huge opportunity for, for tarring the Modi government and for accusing it of cronyism. And I have no doubt that the opposition and the... So there's no paper trail, but there can't, be, there can't be smoke without fire. That's the argument. No, no, that's the argument. But uh, I just want to point one more thing uh, here, uh, Happy Mon. Cronyism per se is not illegal. Cronyism is an arrangement which the state itself, exactly. it, state itself promotes. Maybe and this, this government came on the slogan that they will do away with cronism and the same set of people continue to uh, to wield clout and it's just not just Anil Lamani there are others also who are in the business of defense and they have they have also had they've used Mr. PMO uh, PM's influence and they're also in touch with various companies in Sweden here there Saab you know no, no, I don't want to name those guys why are we being I'll name those guys <laughs> yeah. In the 110 aircraft deal which has now come because of the failure of the Rafael to produce the number of aircraft that the Air Force wants, they are going in for 110 more 
medium fighters, yeah. for which the tender is out, and for which which Mr. Adani yeah. has come into partnership with Saab Gripen already, yeah. and is sitting there poised, ready to the outcome of the so-called crony capitalism allegations in this particular deal, in the Rafale deal, will directly be translated into what happens. No, nothing illegal. Nothing mm. illegal. It's, a, it's an arrangement with the state is promoting in front of our, our eyes, in front Trans of public, everyone. everybody. But just to be clear, there is no illegality in it, but it is unethical and immoral. No, no, cronyism does not, uh, since the state itself promotes uh, this arrangement, there is no, nothing no, illegal in cronyism. Illegality will come in when and if there is a prosecutor that can link illegal payments made for the discharge of crony capitalism. I have this businessman here who's unqualified to get the contract, who's closely linked with the government. Why did he get it? That is cronyism. But was he paid or was, is there a channel of funding to the, let's say, to the ruling party, for example, through Mr. Ambani? If that can be proved, then there is illegality. Okay, so just to be clear, there is no illegality, but this is an example of bad governance. And this sets a it's bad precedent. It's an example precedent. of cronyism. A cronyism is not illegal, as you right. Yes. Okay. No, I'm saying this because I want to avoid any legal uh, backlash. <laughs> also, you know. <laughs> you have some experience. Yeah, yeah. I wide experience. What about what? It's worth a book, you know. When, what about Reliance's defense that it does not need government's permission to be part of the deal? Um, it is between two, as the Raksha Mandri correctly pointed out. This is between Daso and the Anil Ambani, Anil Dhirubhai Ambani group. The government's permission is not required. That's his defense. How do you respond to that? You've written about it. Oh, very simple. I'll respond to it by giving an example. I am a decision maker. Sitting over here next to me is my son. Uh, I am giving somebody a contract, that person enters into a side arrangement with my son. I say, no, 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 I have nothing to do with this. This is between him and my son. Who's going to buy that? But, but more technically, what about the defense um, uh, offsets guidelines of April 26th? The defense offset guidelines clearly state, clause 8.6 of the 2006 guidelines state, that offset arrangements have to be signed off onto by the Raksha Mantri herself. And I believe there is this um, defense offset guidelines of April 1, 2016. All offset proposals will be processed by the acquisition manager and approved by the Raksha Mantri regardless of their value. That's what I just said. Right. So in other words, um, you have a situation where the Reliance seems to say that they have an offset agreement in place but the MOD has not confirmed it. Is that accurate? That the Reliance seems to suggest that there is an offset agreement in place, but the MOD either does not. For, the, for, that, for that, they should send an application to MOD. So MOD is saying we have no documents. <laughs> See, MOD is saying we have not received anything. No, Venu, look at it this way also. Isn't that true? Look at it this way also. If at a subsequent stage, let's say the CAG comments adversely on the deal, or Parliament goes into an uproar, and it becomes unsustainable for these offsets to be translated into reality through Anil Ambani. Uh, Daso could well be asked to do their offsets through another source, a more credible source. Yeah. But Anil Ambani has already benefited from that business. This will happen two years down the line. Two years worth of manufacture has already taken place through Anil Ambani. And whatever benefits had to be put in place as a result of crony capitalism have already been... And Happy Mon, here I want to add one thing. The government has very cleverly kept the sequencing of 
when an offset agreement is to be signed, mm -hmm. uh, very, uh, very confused. Uh, they've kept this, this whole sequencing uh, in, a, in a cloud of, uh, you know, in a uh, miasma of confusion. And Anil Ambani today is claiming that when the aircrafts are delivered, uh, the first lot uh, are delivered next year, September 2019, yeah. that's when we will submit our offset credits. Daso will submit uh, uh, in partnership with Anil offset credits. Now, my question is, when it submits it then, uh, won't it be presented as a fait accompli? I mean, uh, the Defence Ministry has, uh, today does not, has not had the opportunity to actually assess the point. offset schedules, you know, and wa what are they going into, what are they manufacturing, whether it's Falcon or whether some other homeland equipment. All that Anil Ambani today is saying that we are not doing anything, no parts uh, related to uh, Rafal. That's all he's saying. But that's in clear violation of the 2016 offset guidelines. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think exactly. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it has to be approved uh, uh, and sanctioned. Uh, Ajay would be in a better position to. What he, what Renu is saying is absolutely correct because the the problem can arise at a later stage down the line when a degree of fate to comply has already taken place. Mm -hmm. To make it even more complex, there could be another government in place at that time. Yeah. Uh, as a result of the 2019 election. And at that stage, this will present itself as a huge opportunity for that government to, to sort of take action against uh, decision-making by the previous government. Right. But it's all very murky right now. And to dismiss it as saying that this was a decision taken between Daso and Anil Ambani and we as defense ministers, as defense uh, ministries, as the prime buyer of the contract, have nothing to do with it is disingenuous to say the least. Right. Let's come to the question of secrecy. Um, the UPA deal um, was 428 crores per aircraft versus the NDA deal of 1,600 crores per aircraft. Now the government says it is because of the time difference that it was a deal of that of 2014. Now this is 2016. Some inflation, you have Fine. to. Yeah. And it but also says to, yeah. right. It also says that add-ons like high-tech missiles, spares. India-specific customization and Israeli tech technology in the cockpit, etc. All of that will be added, and therefore the price rise. The question the, here is the catch: BJP claims that the price has gone up due to additional features, but to show that the price difference, there is a price difference. The, the government has to also tell us what are those features, mm -hmm. and the government is saying this is covered by a certain secrecy agreement. So, in a sense, you are claiming something, but when you ask for, ask for evidence to back that claim, you are saying that I can't tell that to you. How does that sound to you? No, uh, the secrecy part is it cannot hold because even President Macron himself in an interview in March this year has said it is up to the Indian government to decide what to reveal and what not to reveal. Uh, in parliamentary questions, uh, answers to those questions, the ministry has already put some prices on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, as a result of a briefing that the ministry carried out by an unidentified yeah. source, uh, I know who the source was because I was sitting there at that briefing, uh, this far from the source. Uh, but we cannot reveal it for journalistic sure. ethics. Sure. But the minutiae of that deal have already been put in the public domain. All of us who were in that briefing reported it. And let me tell you, there are some aspects that are over and above the earlier deal. And there are some aspects that are not over and above the earlier deal. Uh, I'll very briefly state them out for you. The cost of the bare bones aircraft and the cost of the so-called India-specific enhancements 
are clearly associated with the platform itself that we have bought, the right. Raphael Combat platform. Right. There are other things like the spares, extra engines, weapons and missiles that carry on that are carried on the aircraft, and uh, a sort of logistic arrangement whereby they guarantee a 75% availability that are not related directly to the cost of the aircraft. Now, the cost of the aircraft, <coughs> adding on the India-specific enhancements to the bare bones uh, uh, price, it comes to a total of 138.9 million euros mm -hmm. per aircraft, mm -hmm. which is 1,107 crore rupees per aircraft. Uh, you will ask, uh, why are you adding on the cost of the India-specific enhancements? And I will refer you to Mr. Modi and Mr. Holland's joint statement, which says that it will be delivered in exactly the same specifications as the 126 Rafale deal. So those so-called India-specific enhancements were already a part of the specifications of the Rafale. There have been some improvements. No improvements. Some add-ons. That's what the government no is No, some add-ons. The government, if the government says there are some add-ons, then the government is saying it is in violation of the modi Hollande joint agreement. That's interesting. Bueno, how do you look at that? And more importantly, um, the Raksha Mandri herself said that the government will disclose the details and then went back on that. She hasn't, uh, till date, disclosed any of those details. And one of the BJP ministers uh, declared some aspects of the pricing in the, on the floor of the parliament. Uh, and more importantly, does the Reliance Industries know the pricing at all? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm unsure of that. What do you think? Uh, because they are part of the whole um, offset deal, would they be um, in a position to know the details of the deal, the, the pricing details of the deal? I have no idea. One will have to see the, the, uh, the agreement that was signed in 2016, uh, where I'm not even sure whether I'm told the Reliance is mentioned in that agreement, that, that they, they will be the offset partner. But I'm not sure whether Reliance, is, uh, Reliance Defense is uh, privy to all these deals. But, uh, but again, taking off from what uh, Ajay just said, you know, our hands are tied, uh, both the hands are tied. Uh, on the one hand, Nirmala Sitaraman, Defense Minister, claims that, that it is cheaper by so-and-so, if you take everything into account. But then you, she's not telling us what are those things. Exactly. So, so we, we are completely in the dark. So, so you see, this India-specific enhancements yeah. is a veil yeah. to take away some of the pricing and present it as some great new thing that new you thing. have been yeah, given. Yeah, yeah. But it is not a new thing for the simple reason that the Holland-Modi joint agreement itself says that we will buy it in the same configuration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those old things were all apart. Now, looking yeah. at the, the things themselves, and when that we, we were briefed in the Defence Ministry, we were also told what those India-specific enhancements were. Helmet-mounted display site. That is a part of every modern fighter aircraft, including the Tejas. A radar warning receiver, radio altimeter, all of these things are part of any modern fighter and to take them out and present them as some great India-specific enhancements is obfuscation, I'm afraid. And one, one more thing, Happy more. The only cost escalation which, in, to my mind, is justified is that you take the global inflation rate between 2009 when the earlier, whatever, you know, the uh, deal was uh, uh, signed, uh, or not signed, but finalized, uh, and 2016, 3% global inflation, I mean, right, yeah. even, even there, even there, the, the Ministry of Defense high official who briefed us presented as a triumph the fact that they had in the deal pegged the inflation rate 
to not more than 3.5 percent. Yeah. It's specifically mentioned in the Raphael contract. So, so, so contract. if you take 3 percent over seven years, that should not be more than uh, 25 compounded 26 percent, you know. But in my view, yeah, 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 no, yeah. So, but overall, happy I'll still come back to these are all technicalities which which are still shrouded in secrecy, as, as I said. The cronism aspect cannot be discounted. The way HAL was, uh, you know, discarded, and now we are told informally that they may be brought back as an escape later, whichever government comes, and the manner in which uh, Anil Ambani's defence was brought in. This in public person perception, this this won't be able, they won't be able to justify. Just to say the final word on this inflation part, the bid was given in 2011 by Daso, but the inflation was not applicable up to 2016 because when they were negotiating the deal, that final conclusion of the deal at 2016, which Mr. Eric Trappier said was just days away, it was still at the same price as 2011. So any inflation that we are talking about should have taken place between 2016 and 2016, hmm. which is no inflation at all. But let me, let me come to the national security implications and the, the impact of this murky deal uh, for the defense preparedness of the country. Um, are 36 Rafale aircrafts enough? Uh, Raksha Mandri, then Raksha Mandri Parikar uh, said in May 2015 that only 36 will be purchased. But the, f the fact is that 36 is probably not good enough. You have uh, the former Air Chief Ali Major and uh, also PV Naik saying that uh, 36 is probably not good enough. Um, and it will probably just add to two squadrons uh, for the Air Force. Um, they, and, and we are probably not going to see uh, the aircrafts coming to India before September 2019 if everything goes well. And there is no discussion today about the 126 or the rest of the um, um, uh, rest of the aircraft. So, what are the implications of this for the defence preparedness of the country? As a former uh, army officer, what would you say about this? Is uh, a serious blow to the defence of this country, and the reason is that from 2000 onwards, this entire procurement has been serially mishandled by the first BJP government, by two Congress governments and now by a second BJP government. Remember, these 126 aircraft were there to replace the single-engine MiG-21s and MiG-27s that were retiring. You needed a cheap aircraft, cheap not because it had to be less capable, but cheap because you had to be able to afford to buy the aircraft the as numbers, a country. You, you needed to get small, light, cheap aircraft to fill in those squadrons which could be, you know, and numbers count. You may, you may well say that a Rafale is a really superior aircraft, but you put three light fighters against a Rafale, it will not hold its own. It will, you know, quantity, as Stalin said, has a quality all of its own. Uh, so, you know, just translating a 126 aircraft deal where six squadrons had to be filled with aircraft to a 36 aircraft deal where you're filling just two squadrons with aircraft, is a serious blow to defence preparedness because four squadrons now don't have aircraft. Can the gap be filled by the LCA Tejas, the light combat aircraft? The, the reason why we are doing this purchase in the first place is because the Tejas was delayed. The Tejas now is coming on stream, but that is filling a different set of squadrons. At the same time, so MiG-21 and yeah. MiG-27s are retiring. And there's no aircraft to this thing. That's why the government has gone in for this 110 aircraft purchase, which is 
really going back all the way to 2000 and starting on exactly the same mistake as we made in that time. But, but when we're coming to this question of defense preparedness, uh, don't you think the UPA took a very long time to negotiate the deal? To quote the Raksha Mandri, she said, between 2004 and 14, the Congress party could not make a decision. That is why someone had to step in and make a decision. There seems to be some resonance of this argument even in the uh, defense establishment, which seems to say that someone has to take a decision at the end of the day. So, how do you sort of uh, respond to that kind of an argument? So, here I would simply quote, uh, it, it's true that the UPA took a long time to procure uh, capital equipment for defense. Uh, what has this government done? You know, you kept blaming Antony. These, these guys, uh, uh, I mean, uh, to, to assess their performance, all I have to do is look at Murli Manor Joshi, their own member of parliament, his uh, estimates, his uh, parliamentary committee report, which says that, that uh, defence uh, spend as a ratio of GDP has come down from 2.5% to 1.6% under this government. And all of it, the capital equipment have been affected. So what what is the big, uh, I mean, acceleration in... Defence procurement have these guys shown so far? I don't know. This is exactly the kind of political sort of uh, rhetoric that disguises the real issues. Let's look at the actual dates. It was decided by the BJP in 2004 to go yeah. in for this MMRCA. Now from 2004 to 2007, when the tender was floated, it was the Indian Air Force that was putting together the specifications of what aircraft they want, not the government. From 2007 till 2011, when the, it was decided that the Rafale was the chosen aircraft, it was the Indian Air Force that was carrying out flight trials, extended flight trials, technical evaluation. The ball was not in the government's court at all. The ball came into the government's court in 2012, That's when the Rafale was chosen as the lowest tender. And from 2012 to 2014, when the government was voted out, it can be legitimately said that the government was not able to make a decision. But, that's just but from 2014 to 2015, when the new government came in, working with the same facts, they were not able to take a decision either. The reason was because there were certain complications in the Rafael tender that prevented a decision from being taken and those complications led the UPA, the NDA government eventually in 2015-16 to scrap the deal entirely. So to now turn around and say that that deal which we scrapped and we were unable to take a decision on, uh, the UPA sat on that. It's really saying the UPA did exactly what we eventually did. But I think it is also a fact that the defense acquisition process in the country is long drawn out. It's a cumbersome process and something needs to be done about it. But is the answer ad hoc national security decision making? Well, uh, at some stage to say that you can reduce every procurement decision to a matrix where you just punch buttons and, you know, at the end of the process, a winner pops out is not correct. Because especially when you're evaluating fighter aircraft, an aircraft that turns quicker is an aircraft that does not move straight faster. Uh, there are climb rate issues. There are some aircrafts that are good in one dimension of combat, but not so good in another dimension. And at the end, a decision is a subjective decision based on what you think is good for you. But the problem is, there is no expertise in the government in making that subjective decision. Yeah. And as a consequence of which, nobody wants to make a decision on which they can be questioned later. And everything just... And, and one more thing, Yafim. Last 
too much process under UPA from that extreme to completely junking of all processes. You know? Mr. Modi's approach is, uh, forget about processes, believe in me. Yeah. In a democracy, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Sorry, it doesn't what work. What is the implication of this for the Make in India project? Uh, you did mention that, but do you want to elaborate a little more on that? Well, uh, there, there was a parliament reply which, uh, which gives the figure of actual Make in India in defense investments which runs into, I think, less than $100 million or something. $180,000. You know? Yeah, $180,000. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a... Uh, I mean, in, this... Uh, in one day. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is a record with which Mr. Modi is going into 2019 election. So it's a great missed opportunity for Make in India. You know, with a deal of... For 126 aircraft, let's say a $20 billion deal, you could have given birth to a whole manufacturing ecosystem in India you could have priced out uh, key technologies from the vendor, made it a condition for the sale that you will give us one, two, three, four technologies. Uh, it would have given a breeze of life to the whole aerospace manufacturing ecosystem in India. But we've missed that. My, my last question, and that is about what now? From what the two of you have told me, I get the feeling that there is no illegality in it. There may be a little bit of... Um, um, as of, uh, no no As of now, there is no illegality. So if there is no illegality, you can't have an investigation. You can't even have a joint parliamentary panel asking for an inquiry into it. All you can probably have is the CAG. But this is going to be a political millstone around Mr. Modi's neck as he goes into 2019. Absolutely. Oh, the opposition seems set on making this an issue. And who have a zero record. Well, let's, let's see how it unfolds. But thank you, Ajay, for coming uh, for the Pleasure show. Thank, well, you. No, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and follow us. For regular updates, you can also follow our Twitter handle NSC with HJ or our Facebook page National Security Conversations with Happy Mon Jacob.